Developing resilience is preparing a person for the road rather than preparing the road for the person. This is the first message in the series, Raising Resilience. The message is entitled, Resilience, One of Life's Greatest Assets. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. I'm very excited because we start a brand new series of messages this weekend that actually I was studying and preparing back in July of the summer. Uh, most of you will remember I took a little break over the July month and did some studying, preparation, and some time off, and I was preparing for this particular series. I felt that the Lord placed on my heart a particular title, a particular flow that He wanted us to have in this season of life. And the title of this series is going to be about an eight-week series, I believe, is Raising Resilient Kids and Adults. Raising Resilient Kids and Adults. Now, to be very straightforward and honest with you and transparent, my first, my first uh, title was Raising Resilient Kids. And then I realized you can't raise resilient kids unless the adults are resilient. And so that's why you see in parentheses and adults, because we're talking to everybody here. Because all of us, every one of us, we have a responsibility to the next generation, whether you realize it or not, no matter if you're a young adult or, or in an older, latter stage of your life, we all have a responsibility to the next generation. And part of what we need to do in our culture today is we need to raise the level of resilience in our culture. Many of the problems that we're facing in our culture today are directly related to a decline in something called resilience. We have too many kids raising kids. Let me let that sit there for a moment. We have far too many kids raising kids. Okay. I'm not just talking about kids in terms of age. I'm talking about kids in terms of maturity. Because you can be 45, 55, and still be a kid. You can be 25 and still be a kid. You can be 18 and raising a kid. But we want to make sure that we are, as adults, doing our part and we are raising the resilience in our life. And I will define that word for you here in just a moment so that we can impart this to the next generation because success is determined in large part by a person's resilience. And the word resilience, here's the definition, is the capacity to withstand, recover, or rebound in the face of adversities and challenges. It's the ability, let me say it again, it's the ability to withstand, to stand up under, to recover from, to rebound in the face of adversity and in the face of challenges without, here's the key, without being damaged or deformed. Let me give that to you one more time, a very important definition. Resilience is the capacity to withstand, to recover, to rebound in the face of adversities and challenges without being damaged or without being deformed in any way. And actually, resilient people are really made stronger through adversity and through challenges in life. And today, in this introductory message, I want to help us to understand why resilience is so important in our lives. Why is it important that we know how to withstand and to bounce back from and recover and rebound in the face of adversity and challenges so that we're not damaged or deformed? Why is this so important to us and why is it so important to our children? Let me give you four things today that you need to know about resilience, raising resilient kids and adults. Number one, 
Developing resilience, as I've defined resilience for you, is preparing, here's what it is, is preparing a person for the road rather than preparing the road for the person. How wonderful would it be if you could just plan the road of life for yourself or your kids? Wouldn't that be wonderful? You just plan your whole life in advance because here's what you and I would do. We would remove all of our obstacles. We would remove all of our curves. We would remove, remove all those hills and mountains and valleys that we can tend to experience in life so that we could soar through painlessly. Most of us want a pain-free life. True? It's very true. However, it's not the way life works. Life is not a pain-free adventure. In in fact, life is very unpredictable. Have any of you had your life turn in a direction you never anticipated it was going to turn in? Have you had a situation happen in your life that you never dreamed was going to happen that was tough, that was challenging, that was really quite hard for you to handle in your life? Life doesn't work this way for us or for our children. You can't plan a perfect life. It does not exist. And as much as we would like to prepare the road for ourselves or the road for our children, it is impossible to do so. That's what's called helicopter parenting, when you're trying to just make everything easy on your child. If we can't prepare the road for the child, what can we do? We can prepare the child for the road. Amen? Okay. So that's the job that we have as parents. You can't prepare their road for them any more than you can prepare your road for you, but you can prepare your child for whatever road they're going to experience in life. Because one day they're going to grow up and they're going to, in fact, even before they leave the house, they're going to face the ups and downs of difficulties at school and challenges with friends and all kind of issues they're going to face in the midst of their growing up years. And then when they leave your house and enter into their adult world, they're going to experience the ups and downs just like you have in your life. And they need something called resilience. Because if they don't have it, they're going to be damaged by life. They're going to be deformed in their spiritual journey. They will not be as healthy as God designed them to be. Let me talk to you about some people in Scripture who had great resilience. Young people. Somehow their parents trained them well. It's the story of four people you know in the Old Testament book of Daniel. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Anybody remember those four guys in the Bible? Let's talk about them just for a moment. Who are they and what did they experience? Well, these four guys were, were, were Jewish. They lived in Jerusalem, Judah, at the time when God had predicted that the king from Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, was going to come down and take them, take Israel, or take Judah captive, I should say, and lead them into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And indeed, Nebuchadnezzar did so. And the first thing that Nebuchadnezzar did is he got all of the, the very advanced and noble young people and took them to his kingdom first to train them the ways of the Babylonians. And so Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were four of those guys that were taken by King Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon to train in Babylonian uh, government, Babylonian responsibilities. They had great potential. When Daniel gets to Babylon, he realizes now the king has a certain training program for them, and part of the training program is they're going to be fed a certain kind of diet, and as soon as Daniel walks up to the table, the first day he sees practically everything that he can't eat. 
because he's Jewish. He's, he's kosher, if you will. There's certain requirements that have been placed on him by his commitment to the law of God. And so he realizes, I've got a problem here. What am I going to do? Had Daniel not had resilience, Daniel would have yielded and simply did what everybody else was doing, but Daniel had something inside of him. Somebody had placed something in the heart of Daniel that allowed him to resolve not to defile himself with the king's food, and so he makes a request to the king, would you allow me and my friends to eat a different diet? Just give us 10 days. Let us eat a different diet. And then you inspect us after 10 days and see how we're doing. And indeed, the king allowed them to do so, and they were able to maintain their convictions. And after 10 days, they looked healthier than all the other other young men that were a part of this training program. God proved himself to Daniel because there was a resilience in Daniel's heart and life. Let's go to chapter 3 of Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar decrees one day, we're going to build a big golden image, and I want everybody in the land, when the, when the flutes and the trumpets play, I want them, whenever it is, whatever time of day it is, when they hear the trumpets and the flutes playing, they're to bow down toward the golden image. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we're not going to bow to a golden image because that's an idol. We only worship the one true and holy God. And Nebuchadnezzar says, well, if you don't bow to the idol, you're going into the fire furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said something to the king. Well, God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, but even if he chooses not to deliver us, we will not bow to the image of gold. We only worship the one true and living God. How could they do that? They did that because somebody put something in them called resilience. And of course, you know the story. They're thrown eventually into the fiery furnace. It's been heated seven times hotter than it normally was. They're thrown into the fiery furnace. And the king comes back to check on them. And he looks down and he says, didn't we put three people in here? I now see four, and the fourth one looks like the Son of God. And they brought them out, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not only preserved from the fiery furnace, there was not even the smell of smoke on them at all. Resilience. Let's fast forward to chapter 6 of Daniel. Daniel has now been elevated to a very important place in the kingdom. There's a lot of jealousy toward him, and so they're trying to somehow trap him and get him out of the influence of the king because now he's serving King Darius. And so they come up with this plan that for 30 days, everybody's going to have to pray to the king instead of praying to God. And the, if you don't pray to the king, here's the result. And you'll be thrown into the lion's den. So Daniel faces another challenge in this life. What, what am I going to do? Am I going to do what I should not do? Pray to the king, which obviously he's simply a human being. Or will I continue to pray to the God that I know is the real and true God? And Daniel made the decision that he was going to continue. The Bible says that as soon as he heard that decree, he goes back into his room and he, he bows his knee toward Jerusalem and he prays three times a day and he ends up in the lion's den. And you know the story, God shut the mouth of the lions and Daniel is delivered. What allowed Daniel to say no to the food and 
three Hebrew children to say, you know what, throw us into the fiery furnace. And Daniel to say, I'm not going to pray to the king. I'm only going to pray to God. I'll tell you what allowed them to do that. Something called resilience. And dear ones, we as parents have a responsibility to do the best job we possibly can. Nobody's ever going to be a perfect parent. It's impossible to be a perfect parent. You can't always control exactly what a child is going to do in the future. But we have a responsibility to the next generation to do what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Read it together with me aloud and loudly. This is the New King James Version. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. What's our responsibility? Look at this from the Passion Translation. <clears throat> Dedicate your children to God and point them in the way that they should go and the values they've learned from. Where do they learn the values? From you will be with them for life. I love this paraphrase. Dedicate your children to God and point them in the way that they should go. And the values they've learned from you, that as you've imparted those values to them, will be with them for life. So developing resilience is preparing a person for whatever road their life will be rather than trying to prepare the road for your child or for your own life. Here's the second lesson for us today. Resilience is an inside job. You guys didn't know I was a basketball player, did you? This basketball is resilient. It's resilient because it has the right shape and it has the right amount of the right stuff on the inside. You change any of those things, you change the shape, or you change the right amount of the right stuff inside, you will not get that, okay? You can't keep this ball down. Pressure brings it right back. This is resilience. Resilience is not about what's on the outside of you. Resilience is about what's on the inside. You can change the color of this ball, you can dress this ball in fancy clothes. You can put it in a BMW or you can put it in a Volkswagen. You can put it in a palace or you can put it in a shack. It doesn't matter where it is or what the external circumstances might be relative to this ball. It's not going to change the resilience of this ball because this ball has the right shape and it has the right amount of the right stuff on the inside. This is what you want your life to be, your life to be shaped the right way and filled with the right stuff and the right amount of the right stuff. And you want to shape your, life, your child's life in the right way and make sure they go into life filled with the right amount of the right stuff so that when life gets hard, when things get difficult, when they they hit bumps in the road, they bounce back. You bounce back, okay? That's called resilience. 
is having the right amount of the right stuff and what in the right shape. What is the right shape? Well, the Bible says very clearly how we are to be shaped. We're all to be shaped in the image of Jesus. All of us need to be in each day of our life conforming to the image of Jesus, that day by day we're being shaped into his likeness, becoming more and more like him. We need the right stuff. What is the right stuff? It is the Holy Spirit at work inside of us. And what is the right amount of the Holy Spirit? Spirit be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we need to be full of the Spirit, the right Spirit of God at work in us, shaped in the image of Jesus, and that's what gives us resilience in life when life gets hard and everybody else is losing it, everybody else has given up on life, everybody else is hopeless. We just keep bouncing back every time life gets hard. Why? Because we're shaped the right way, okay? Not only are we shaped the right way, We also are shaping our children and filling them with the right stuff. This is all through the pages of Scripture. Paul prayed a prayer that I want you to see today, a prayer that we need to pray, and I will pray for you as we come to the end of today's message. But listen to this prayer of the Apostle Paul. Remember the point, resilience is an inside job. It's what's on the inside that matters. Think internal, not external. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. Where? In your what? Inner being. In your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And the church said, amen. Nowhere in the passage I just read to you will you find anything external. Everything that you see in that prayer that Paul prayed, in a prayer that's very important for you and me, everything is internal. To be resilient, we need inner strength. How do you get inner strength yourself? How do you impart it to your children? Here are some things to remember. First of all, it starts with a personal relationship with God. You have to have that personal relationship with God, and you have that through Jesus Christ. You come to faith in Jesus, it leads you into a personal relationship with God. Is that settled in your life? Are you training your children about the value of a personal relationship with God? The second thing that you need is a Bible-based worldview. You need to see the world through the Bible. Okay? Let the Bible define what you believe and what you know to be right and wrong. I'm going to come to this next one, then I'll sort of combine the two together. Also, Bible-based values. You need a Bible-directed worldview and a Bible-directed set of values. If you are getting, please listen to me today. If you're getting your view of how things, what is right and wrong, what is valuable or not, if you're getting your view from the world, you're being deceived. 
If you're getting your world of what is right, if you're getting your view of what's right and wrong from the voices in our world, the voices in our media, dare I say it, yes, I'm going to say it, from the voices of celebrities, okay. if you're getting your value system from the voices of music artists and all kind of people that are saying all kinds of things about what's right and wrong, and you're developing your values based upon what the world is saying to you, I'm telling you, you're not going to be resilient on the inside. To be resilient on the inside, you need something that is not going to change. Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they had a Bible-based worldview. They had a Bible set of values that guided them through. They were not willing to compromise those because they understood what was right and they understood what was wrong. And I will say this as well before I move on to the next part. When you begin to take a stand in your own life relative to what is truly right and what is truly wrong, I promise you, you're not going to always be liked and you're not going to always be popular. And that's okay. okay. You've got to be okay with that being okay. okay. The question is, do, do you view the world from the value system, and the moral structure of Scripture. And then you desperately need a genuine personal faith. You need that. Your children need their own personal faith, a faith that says, I believe God cares about me, and He has promises for my life, and I believe that God's going to do good things inside of me, and I have a faith and a positive expectation about my future because I know my God. And then there needs to be a deep God-based security. Because I have faith in God, I know that He loves me, and He's going to always love me, and I'm secure in the love of God. Every person and certainly every child needs that sense of security that goes beyond just parental security, but a God-based security in their life. And then obviously that leads to a whole healthy and wholesome mindset that your mind, the way that people process in their thinking is a wholesome way, a healthy way of thinking, a holy way of thinking, because out of your thoughts come your actions as you think so you will be. Now, for all of these things that I've just described here to happen to you and to your child, they come from three main sources, okay? I'm going to show you three places, these, these six things I just gave you here. You get them in three places, or you fail to get them in three places. The first place that you get them is described in Deuteronomy, and I'm going to write it on the screen because it's not on your notes. You get it first and foremost where? Not in the church but you get it in the home. The home is meant to be the primary place for spiritual training and spiritual growth, not the church. Your home needs to be the primary place where your kids are getting their spiritual input because we, as a church, we only will have your children about an hour or two hours every week. It's impossible for us to give them everything they're going to need in their spiritual journey. So somebody at home needs to be doing their job. Can I get an amen right there, okay? And just as much as you care about the academic development of your child and as much as you might care about the athletic development of your child and the social development of your child, I'm just going to say it like it is, you better be caring about the spiritual health of your child. Okay. Because that's the very thing that's going to carry them through life. You better be concerned about that. 
You, we all get so concerned what school they're going to and do they have enough athletic, athletic or extracurricular activities, all these kind of things. Oh, that's wonderful. Not against that. All that stuff is good. But you better be concerned about the spiritual dimension of your child because if you're not concerned about it, they're not going to get it. You're the one that will pass this on to them. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on whose children? Your children. Talk about them when you sit at church. No, it doesn't say church, does it? When you sit where? At home. And when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, that's at home, okay? Take a look at what it continues to say. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. The first place the first stopping point, we might say, in developing your child's resilience happens in your home. Do you have a Christian home, not just Christian in name, but Christian in reality? Is there any spiritual training going on in your life? I read an article yesterday about Steph Curry. Many of you know Steph Curry, obviously, if you're a basketball fan. He talked about how much he valued the fact that his parents read to him the Bible when he was growing up. He's a, as far as I know, he's a, he's a committed Christian today that loves the Lord. But it started with his, his mom and dad reading Scripture to him in the family, in the home. So the first place these, this resilience is going to happen, it happens spiritually in the home. The second place is in the church. You need church and your kids need church. I mean, just let that settle right there for a minute. You need church and your children need church, okay? I'm getting, a, we're getting there, okay? You need church and your children need church, okay? Now, I'm preaching to the choir today because you're at church, okay? That's great. So it's a good thing for you to remind somebody else of. You already know this. You're here, okay? Look at what the Scripture says. Not giving up what? Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. One of the saddest things for me about the COVID season, I understand it. I understand that we were in a, a pandemic and it was what it was and we had to deal with it from a safety health standpoint. I get that. One of the saddest things to me about the fact that uh, we had to be outside of church, not gathering together for an entire year here in our community was the fact that children, while they were obviously having an opportunity to get some spiritual input at home, we did the best job we knew how to do to provide some of those resources online for you. Uh, they were missing the opportunity of being together in the house of God. We missed it as adults. I can't tell you how joyous it was for me. The first time after COVID, I was able to come back and be on a corporate gathering of worship. I had tears in my eyes. I realized, my goodness, I really missed this. Not giving up meeting together. So you learn it at home. You learn it in church. But there's one other place where your kids are learning this, and you learn it as well. And that's through, I'm going to write the word down because these are not on your notes, through your, what? Your companions. Whether you realize it or not, your children's friends are influenced them sometimes far more than you are. 
if you're not careful. Do not be misled. Bad company does what? Corrupts good care. If you're a parent, you have a responsibility knowing who your kids' friends are. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to delve into their privacy. They have the right to have their own friends. No, they don't, okay? As long as I'm buying food for you. I'm getting a little old school here, okay? As long as you're living under the roof of my house, I love you enough to tell you that person's not good for you, okay? I don't want you bringing them over to my house, and I don't want you hanging out with them anymore. Let's see if we can't find you some new friends, amen? You need to be involved with your kids. You need to know who they're hanging around with, because who they're hanging around with is going to have an influence on who and what they become with their life, and that means you've got to get in their stuff sometimes. You've got to be aware of what they're doing. And my, my parents were all into my stuff all the time. <laughs> I didn't like it at the time, but you know what? They didn't care. They weren't trying to be my friend. Okay. Okay. They were, they, now, thank God, later on, we became good friends. But when, they were, when I'm growing up, they, didn't, they, they weren't interested. We didn't have, let's be friends. We never had those conversations. I'm your parent. Okay? I'm here to guide you and direct you and train you. These are valuable things. I don't mean to sound hard or hard school, but I think sometimes... We need to be brought back because we've gotten kind of mushy in this kind of stuff in our world today. Parents need to be parents. Loving parents, absolutely. Affirming parents, absolutely. And we'll talk more about the importance of, of that loving elements of this as we go through this series and also the disciplinary elements of it. But your children need parents, okay? Kids need adults in their life, amen, okay? So you learn these things through home, through church, and through companions. So go to our next point together. Number three, resilience is built how? Intentionally. The opposite of resilience is weakness. It's delicacy. It's mushiness, we might say. And there's a lot of that, as we've said in our world today. We've gotten mushier as people. Why? Because life is a lot easier than it used to be. You know, 40, 50, 60 years ago, People were still living. They had to go out into the well and get their water every morning, okay? They had to go out and feed the cows and uh, feed the cows. Is that what you do? Milk the cows, feed the hogs. I guess you, I never did that, but uh, some people did, okay? They had, and can, you, can you imagine this? There was a time that we didn't have air conditioning. Can you imagine that? There was a time that churches didn't have air conditioning and people still came. Can you believe that, okay? And when you walk through the doors, they handed you a little fan. Anybody remember the little fans? Okay. I remember those little fans, usually from a funeral home, okay? <laughs> Amen? Okay. And I remember sitting in service and taking my pen and coloring in all the O's and all the A's. And, you know, that was what I did. But it, we, didn't, we, we threw the windows open and we still had church. Why? Because that's what life was. And so life over the years has gotten a lot easier I mean, we, you don't really have to do much studying anymore. All you have to do is say, Google. So it's made us a lot softer as people. And the softer you get, the less resilience there is inside of you. So there needs to be strength restored. And that happens through facing challenges and facing stresses. See, some stress in your life is good for you. Thank you, Eric. 
some stress in your life. It's some, are you sure? Yeah, because you're not going to grow without challenges. You're not going to grow without some stress. Now, there's a certain amount of distress. It's on a bell-shaped curve. You can follow it with a bell-shaped curve with stress. Stress builds to a point where it's highest, highest, high, has its highest benefit to you, and then it can become, on the downside of that bell-shaped curve, it become distress to your life if it's too much of it or too much or too intense. But there's a certain amount of stress that creates growth in your life. You need some obstacles along the way. You need some things that are going to require some discipline of you, some efforts along the way. Your children need some challenges. Your children need some obstacles. Your children need some discipline in their life. They need to be able to exercise some effort in their life because godly grit is something people have to grow. It is not a gift. Oh, God, please give me the gift of resilience. God's okay. Here's a problem. Here's the challenge. Here's what James says about that. James chapter 1. Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials, obstacles, difficulties, challenges. Be assured that the testing of your faith, what's testing your faith? The trials are. The obstacles. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces something. What is it producing? Endurance, that's resilience, okay, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance, resilience, that process of patiently working through problems, have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and complete, developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. The only way we're developed fully in our faith is by facing various trials along the way. It's good for us. Resilience is only developed by us valuing an intentional process. And let's go to our final point together. And here it is. The fourth thing for today is that resilience is a great asset. Would you like to give your children some wonderful life assets? Would you? Okay. I'm not talking about money here. I'm talking about something that's one of the greatest assets you could ever give. See, life is divided oftentimes in large degree in terms of assets and liabilities. Okay? What you want to do is minimize the liability your child has in going into his life as well as your own life, and you need to raise the potential of assets. Because an, a, an asset is something that is valuable. It, it, it actually appreciates over time. A liability is something that diminishes and actually can drag down or hold back in some way. Resilience is an asset. Say it with me. Resilience is an asset. Say it again with me. Resilience is an asset. What is resilience? It's the ability to do what? Was that? Remember that basketball? Okay. It's the ability to bounce back. It's not preparing the road for the person, but the person for the road, right? Okay. That's what resilience is. It's an asset. You will never go wrong developing more resilience. You'll never go wrong teaching your children the importance of resilience. Because here's a statement. It's not on your notes. You may want to write it down. Resilience turns liabilities into assets. I'll say it one more time. Resilience will take your liabilities and turn them into an asset. A liability is a problem, an obstacle, a difficulty, something that could drag you down or destroy you. Have you known people before that faced some major odds and difficulties in their life, but there was something in them that caused them to rise up and still overcome those things and what was a liability to them actually propelled them forward in life? 
They were raised in terrible poverty, but they overcame it and became successful. They had some physical disability, but they worked hard to compensate and to deal with it, and they overcame, and their liability became an asset to them because of resilience inside of them. Can I encourage you in your life that in the name of Jesus, that as you pursue this process, as we go through these next seven weeks together, let me first of all say be with us throughout the entire series. Don't miss it. Invite a friend. There's somebody that you know that needs to be in this series. Somebody that you know needs to be in this series. Invite someone to be a part of it. But as we go through this together, may God help each one of us to develop the spirit of resilience in our lives. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, put your notes around, away if you will. I'm going to pray the prayer that I read to you a few moments ago. I want to pray it for you today. And I hope that you will also pray it for your children. If you have children, you'll pray it for them as well. And let these words from the Apostle Paul, this prayer of the Apostle Paul, settle into your heart today. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you you, yes, you, with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Lord, I ask today that you would seal this prayer in our hearts. And I do pray that we would, in this series of messages, that we would develop a level of resilience that we've never known before, that we would impart it to our children. And Lord, that we would be strong as Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were strong in their times of trial. Work it in our lives today, we pray in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. And you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God. And I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus... I know that that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.